Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for coming back or checking us out for the first time. Either way, we're glad you're here. We have a great show for you again this week. My guest in the ADD interview, you know him from Weeds, you know him from Saturday Night Live, you know him from Man With A Plan, it is Kevin Nealand. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family, which is our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Robert. Say hi to Robert, guys. Hey, Robert. Hey, Bobby. What's up, Bobby? You hear those voices, Robert, do you? Not the ones in your head, the ones coming out of your phone. (laughs) Those are the people I love. My beautiful wife, Alex. Hello there. My lifelong friend, Phil Tagg. What's up, buddy? And my pal, my pod producer, a man who has learned the importance of oral hygiene. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have. Triple P himself, Marcus Stern. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good, and my teeth are relatively healthy, so I feel good about that. Well, you have to. You have to go back. Well, let's catch the audience up. Mark, you rinse, and I'll let them know what's going on. So Mark gets out of the U.S. Open. He calls me up the other day. I'm like, what's the matter? Root canal. What? I'm going to go back for the root canal. Oh, okay. So you got to go back to the, for the root canal. Well, yeah, so I had a root canal. All right, backing up. I didn't go to a dentist for like 30 years because every time I went, it was pain and suffering. So when I got to be an adult, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. All right, I'm just going to try and do the best I can. Went a long time, had a pain in my tooth about six years ago. Doc said, hey, you got to go get a root canal. And I was terrified because a root canal just sounds like the worst thing in the world. Um, so I go, this is lovely oral surgeon. Uh, her name is Dr. Anastasia Mashenko. Um, she might be a Russian spy. I have no idea. If I have nuclear codes on me, I'm sure I'm going to give them to her. Mm-hmm. Um, the best root canal anyone could ever hope for. It was like completely painless. And I go back every year to make sure that it's not, you know, messed up or anything like that. And sure enough, after the U.S. Open, she was like, yeah, we got to go in and we got to fix some stuff. So I got to do that um, in a couple of days. The most frightening thing about that is, is, is not that you have a potential spy working on your mouth. <laughs> the most frightening thing about that was I haven't been to a dentist in 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was. I got to a point in my life. I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to do that. Okay, see, so there's the problem. There's the problem, Stern. No one goes to the dentist because they want to. <laughs> you go to the friggin' dentist because you have to. All right. Well, who looks like the idiot now? When I finally saw the dentist after, I don't know, 25, 30 years, he was like, your teeth are in remarkably great shape. 
Like, they're fine. He's like, you've been brushing, you've been taking care, you have no cavities, all your fillings are good. You just got this, you know, one tooth that's got a root canal thing, and we'll take care of that. Mm-hmm. The, Adam, if you think about it, that's pretty good odds. Yeah, but the guy he said the dentist he went to is, is probably, what is he, is he blind? <laughs> just in one eye. Yeah. <laughs> I, you figure 30, in 30 years, one bad tooth, that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. So the moral of the story is don't go to the dentist. That's, <laughs> that's good. Stay that's a good That's a positive health. message. That's yeah. good. Listen to Uncle Mark, kids. <laughs> yeah. So she take an x-ray and then go into the other room? I hate when they do that. Uh, no, they take an x-ray and it's like right there. It downloads to the computer immediately. It's 3D stuff. It's crazy technology they have. Wow. And I remember when I had the, when I had the surgery... They had a Nora Jones live concert playing on the TV. I was like, this is lovely. I can stay here forever. So now he can't stop going. Right. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to go. So this is sort of, I have to go. But in my mind, I'm like, I get to go. Because I I also feel good that I'm taking care of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. after 30 years. (laughs) Now, right. (laughs) Now, I was a sinner. And now I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm reborn. Oh, okay. So, So the dentist is like a baptism for you. Exactly. That's what the, that's really what the little sink is for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, getting back to what you said, like you have to go. So mm-hmm. that's the difference between have to and want to. And that's the mindset. I was actually talking to, to Kevin about this uh, in the interview because th- th- there's a weird thing in my head about when I got to do something new. Uncertainty in my head uh, breeds anxiety if I don't know what I'm doing. So there's that, that, that kind of thing just triggers my anxiety. So in mm-hmm. order to get past that, I'm working on shifting my head from have to, to want to. Mm-hmm. Adam, I can relate, but what's hard for me. And I know I, you know, this about me, so don't give away too much, but, All right. All right. I, but, but let me just preface this because I think I know what you're going to say. Let me just preface this. My wife is smoking hot. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, if I have to do something, what happens? Oh, what, I put it off. Yes, if you have to do something, yeah, my wife, she'll put it off. Like, honey, your head's on fire. It's going to rain tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> I, I do. And I really want to change that because I know once I do it, it's like, oh, this was so easy. Why did, why did I wait so long? Or, it's, oh, I wish I would have done this sooner. And it always happens. Yeah. Well, it's building it up in your head. It's, that's the, the worst place to live is in your own head. And uh, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I realized how crazy I'm making. You think I make you guys crazy. Imagine what I'm doing to me. <laughs> yeah, I I love your new album cover. It suits you really well. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> yes. Oh, by the way, and I want to thank everybody in podcast land about the new album. You know why? Why, Adam? It's number one on iTunes. And oh, it's that's all right. because hey. of you guys. It's all because of you guys. So thank you guys very much. And you know what? It's like that album, like, oh, I have to get this done. I have to get this done. I have to get this done. But then when I put it together, I'm like, I'm so glad I did this. The, the difference between framing something in your head between have to and want to uh, is very important it, it, because it sets up how you're going to experience that thing. It's not like it's unknown. I mean, I did one last year. I've done a bunch of specials. So it's, it's the throes of creation. But what Kevin does is he embraces the unknown. I mean, I really admire that about him. He does so many things uh, as far as uh, uh, creative endeavors that that was one of the things that I really uh, admired about him is he just throwing himself into something new without any or appearing without any anxiety at all. His enthusiasm, his curiosity, and his passion for life and learning new things. So I was really really struck by it. And uh, I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. So give a listen to this, and we'll see you on the other side. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project 
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Well now, Triple P, you will tell me what I want to know. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm up to here with this crap. Hi, guys. I am heading back out on the road to do stand-up. Did you hear that? That was Alex saying, thank God. I will be at Bananas in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, October 16th and 17th. I will be at Comics at the Mohegan Sun Casino, October 22nd through the 24th. And October 30th, I will be at Soul Joel's Amphitheater in Royersford, Pennsylvania. I don't know if I said that right, but that's where I'm going to be. I'll put a link to tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the ticket link there. If you can make any of these gigs, please come up and say hello after the show. I would like to thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. And I'll stay six feet away from you because I know where I've been. I'm doing this for you. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! If you've ever watched television, you know my guest. He's a veteran of Saturday Night Live. He starred in the long-running Showtime series Weeds, as well as the CBS series Man with a Plan, uh, you can see his show Hiking with Kevin on YouTube. Uh, he's a great stand-up comic, a musician, an extremely talented painter, fairly decent department store Santa Claus, and a so-so minister. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, help me welcome Kevin Nealon. How are you, pal? Good, buddy. It's good seeing you, Adam. It's been a while. I haven't seen you around. I, I haven't seen anybody around. <laughs> I know. Well, the last time, you remember when, when human beings were freely allowed to move about the country, I saw yeah. you on an airplane editing while you were flying that's right it was probably one of those hikes i did yeah yeah it was it was funny you showed me i i forget i am gonna say it was lily tomlin but it was very very funny yeah i mean when i started doing these hikes um i just had my cell phone on the other end of a selfie stick mm-hmm. and i would edit it on imovie yeah and um and that was like the first year it was really shaky and stuff and then some guy sent me this really cool rig that had a gopro on the end of it it was carbon graphite selfie stick mm-hmm. and then it had an external mic with like a dead cat on you know the, the, the uh what do they call it dead cat that goes over the mic to keep the wind from hitting it yeah and then i started learning how to fly a drone and then i started learning how to edit on premiere pro so it's like a full-time operation now yeah you do you do all that stuff yeah you, you have a uh a you you don't have a fear of learning because in all the stuff I was reading no. about you, you do many things. You you throw yourself into those things. One question I want to ask before we get off the hiking because it is you and a, and a guest and you go on a hike and it's really funny. Uh, and people, it's a relaxed setting, so you get to see another side of people that uh, that you know from television. Anyone have to pee? Oh yeah, always. Helen Hunt is a peer. Right. <laughs> uh, she she um has no qualms about going off the trail because I hike with her. Every once in a while, too. Besides that, you know, we we hike. We're hiking buddies, and mm-hmm. she will always mark her territory. Okay. You know, um, let's see. Uh, Chelsea Handler, yeah. I think peed. Um, I think that's about it. Most people come prepared. Okay. 
one of the things in doing my research on you, I found is that you educate yourself on so many different things and you don't seem to be afraid of learning something new. Like you're a minister. Threw yourself into that. Well, I'm only I'm in the uh, I'm a minister in the open ministry because mm-hmm. I did a I did a segment for the Ellen show once where I had to marry somebody in the little white wedding chapel in Vegas. Right. So they went online and for fifty dollars they made me a minister. Okay, so maybe that's but, a bad example. But since then I have used that. I married a friend of mine, Kirk Fox. Mm-hmm. And he's another comic. And then I also uh, did a vowel renewal uh, for another couple. I'm I sorry, know. a bowel removal? A bowel, yeah, it's a bowel removal. <laughs> no, it's a, a vowel renewal. Oh, okay, thank a you. Vowel, a vowel, a vowel renewal. Thank you. Yeah, the L was thrown. I just, I just thought yeah. <laughs> a couple that was fighting came to you and go, Kevin, I'm sick of his shit. Don't worry, I'll handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to ask you this, Minister, because I know we're both Beatles fans. Have you met any of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, you know I was on SNL when uh, Paul McCartney came on, mm-hmm. so I got to know Paul because we were both into animal rights, mm-hmm. and um, and then I saw him again at the 40th uh, anniversary for SNL. Right, and I was sitting in the front row, I was about to go on and do something, and he was getting he was in line in front of Paul Simon, mm-hmm. and I was kind of looking down, kind of going over my notes. They're about to go on the main stage to do something. And all of a sudden, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I look up. It's McCartney. Goes, how you doing? <laughs> I said, hey, Paul, how you doing? And then two seconds later, another tap. It's Paul Simon. How you doing? <laughs> he had an English accent. That's great. I was so flattered that they remembered me, you know? Yeah. How do you not be? That's, that's amazing. Did you flip out? Yeah, yeah, I did. And my wife was really impressed. Oh, yeah. That, that's got to bring you points right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was really cool. So, you know, uh, and then I almost met George. He, I left just before he came up into the writer's wing and he mm-hmm. played the piano for a little bit. And then Al Franken came out. He didn't know who was out there. He goes, can you keep it quiet? I'm trying to write. <laughs> it was George Harrison. <laughs> so you're a Beatles fan too? I'm a Beatles fan, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all those bands. I grew up really, uh, you know, you know, when I first started listening to music, Adam, I listened to, you know, I was more of an Elvis Presley fan. Right. You know, you know. But, um, yeah, so I, I was more of an Elvis fan, but then I became more of a Beatles fan, you know. And, like, when I, I used to live in Germany when I was a kid because my father worked with a helicopter company over there. And so, um, you know, everything came out around then. You know, Elvis was big then, and... Um, this is yeah. like around 63. I mean, uh, I, I've been around. I've seen a lot of things. You know, I didn't see it. I never saw Elvis in concert, but I saw John F. Kennedy at an airport in Germany in the back of his uh, black uh, limo, Lincoln. Wow. Waved to him. I think he waved back to me. Yeah. So um, I kind of really, really became a big Beatles fan when I got back to the U.S. And, and then I started in garage bands. Were you in garage bands? I was. Yeah. I could play the beginning of every great song. We had like. I know. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that. I don't, I don't know the lyrics to like many songs. Like, like during this time now when we're home, I'm starting to learn the rest of the songs that I knew. Well, that, that's the thing I wanted to ask you about because you do so many things and you're not afraid to learn new things. Like uh, I know you played the guitar uh, and do my research yeah. on you. Then, and you played a five-string banjo and you picked up the mandolin and the piano. There's different disciplines. The mandolin, the piano, and just uh, recently I got back from Nashville. Yesterday I got back, and I was brought my ukulele with me. So I've been u- learning the ukulele. Mm. You know, because there's some great, you know, Train has a great song that they play on the ukulele. Yep. <clears throat> Jason Mraz, you know, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. It's a really kind of a hip instrument. Yeah, and you, you, you also painted one of my favorite paintings of yours is, uh, and if you have, I highly recommend go on your Instagram because your paintings, that's where I first saw them, and I went, Wow, they're caricatures, but there's there's a depth and a humor to them, and your brushwork is pretty intricate. Uh, and one of my favorite ones was Eddie Vedder, and uh, the, the hair you. the hair you did on Whitney Houston. That's not oh, yeah. easy. That light, the <laughs> the dispersion of light. It's almost like when Rembrandt used to do lace, the lace collars. You could see the light and the yeah. depth of that. I was like, wow, he's not fucking around, this kid. <laughs> yeah i mean i look for that when i look for a reference piece i look for the lighting because i think that's really important to give it a good kind of a pop effect you know mm-hmm. uh so it's more of an interesting look to it and sometimes i have to like you know i'm gonna i'll go on um pinterest and i'll find five or six different photos like i did with eddie vetter 
And then I have to combine them all in my head and try to get it just, you know, the light right and all the uh, different, you know, features. And that's sometimes a little challenging. Yeah. The, and it was, like I said, the hair was very intricate. And there was a, um, the, I, I like Vermeer because the lights on the Vermeer are just, you know, stunning. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. like, it's, it's a whole nother dimension that he opens it up. He brings dignity to the mundane, if you ever look at him. I saw it at the National Gallery. I was like, look at this. She's pouring milk, and it's fucking amazing. <sighs> I know. I know. it. I'm reading a book right now on Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. Yeah, don't tell me how it ends. Uh, you know, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy. <laughs> Dig a tunnel but so it, we can visit. It's so interesting, though, man. This guy was such a genius, but he never, he, he rarely finished things. You know, he'd start off projects or yeah. paintings and he'd get distracted and he just wouldn't finish it. He'd get commissioned to do things and he'd have to give the money back because he wouldn't finish it. Yeah. Did you get to the point about the boyfriends, the kleptomaniac? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't really a great uh, boyfriend to bring around to parties and stuff. No, 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 no. Not with the Medici. No, I could picture Leonardo da Vinci uh, kind of um, making excuses for him. You know, he's, he's a younger boy. You yeah, know, he's yeah. a young boy. He's, he's a learning. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put the silverware back. Oh, we're sorry, your highness. Get the phone. I'm not here. Uh, that's my brother. Oh. I have two brothers and two sisters. One brother is an ex-Atlanta cop. Mm -hmm. And now he's a private eye. I have another brother that lives in Florida that uh does commercials makes commercials uh-huh you know, he's a producer and then two sisters catholic family mormons mormons okay no catholic yeah <laughs> irish catholic irish Catholic. yeah because i was when i was reading you got you were a minister and uh your son gable wasn't baptized and you figured like i'm a minister now maybe i could sneak off <laughs> yeah. well the thing was um i was raised catholic i don't practice anymore because i got it down you know <laughs> and uh I'm learning other instruments now. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I thought, okay, my wife wasn't into organized religion, didn't want to raise him any specific religion. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'll teach him about Catholicism. He'll learn about all religions, you know, we'll learn about Baha'i and Judaism and all that. And, um, and then I figured, I, I, I said, well, at least get him baptized, right? He goes, no, no, that's hokey pokey. Right. I said, okay. I'll just bring him, get him baptized, you know, when she's not around and, you know, he's a baby, he won't know. And I procrastinated too long. And then he started learning how to speak. So it was too late then. Yeah, yeah. He do it because he would tell mommy, some guy with a white collar would throw water on me. and They made me eat this creepy. cookie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I can do it as, an, as a uh, minister in the open ministry. I think I can do that. Yeah. I'm a surviving Catholic. Um... My my father wasn't religion, but he, he he was a pragmatist. So he says, "Listen, you've been baptized. You made your first communion. You made your confirmation. All your paperwork's done. If you want, <laughs> if you want to go to church, you can go with your mother on Sunday. I won't be there." So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. My father would bring us to church, and we'd always get there so late, just before communion. Yeah, and if you got there before communion, it counted as going. You're in. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Well, yeah, yeah you, your dad. Uh, just, just to back up, your dad worked for a helicopter company. You were in Germany from the ages 6 to 10. And then you learned how to swim in Greece, and you learned how to ski in Austria. Is that where Hans and Franz maybe originated in your head? Well, you know, I think the names kind of came up with it. You know, Dana and I came up with those characters. We were basically, we were on the road uh, doing a stand-up tour, and we were in De uh, Des Moines, Iowa, mm -hmm. at a Red Lion Inn. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was on a Showtime up close and personal interview. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he was talking the way he does. And I called Dana. I said, Dana, you got to watch this. It's so funny. This accent, you know, the way he's talking and things like that. And, you know, so, you know, such an Austrian. And for the rest of the tour, we started talking like, and we thought, you know, before we start up next season on SNL, we should come up with uh, some characters. And, um, and, and I just, I think I came up with the names because I knew, you know, I mean, anybody come up with Hans of France, but, you know, it, it rhymed and they were from Austria. Right. And, um, and, and it worked out well, but, um, it's really funny how you come up with ideas for things. You know, if you think a lot of it, the best ones are organic, yeah. you know, like my hiking show, I just hiked with a friend of mine, Mackie Modine. I say, Hey, man, you want to go for a hike? He goes, sure. So we go to Temesco Canyon in the Palisades and we're hiking. And I just, we were both so out of breath near the top of the mountain. 
I thought this would be a funny interview if I was interviewing him and you couldn't understand me because I'm like, so when you came up to Hollywood and you're Asian, uh, and, and you, you had to, you know, and he would answer me like that too. And that was funny. And then on the way back down the other side of the canyon, I asked him some more serious questions. I'm like, you know, my, I was just holding my camera. I said, hey, Matt, you ever turned down anything you regretted? And he mm. rolled his eyes. He goes, oh, man, after full, metal, after full Metal Jacket, I was really picky. I turned down Big, the Tom Hanks oh. role. I turned down Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox role, Charlie Sheen on Wall Street, and the Tom Cruise uh, role in Top Gun. Mm. I said, you idiot. <laughs> and he laughed. We both laughed. And I, you know, I just posted it on YouTube or on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And, and, uh, and then I started doing it. But that was all organic. You know, I didn't plan it. Right. It just happened. Yeah. You know, well, and those even, that tend to be the best. Even the way you got Saturday Night Live wasn't, you didn't plan it. I remember the story. Right. You, talk, you got a call from Dana in the kitchen, in Lauren Michaels' kitchen. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I, you know, you know what it was like. You were in Hollywood. They would come through every once in a while and they'd have a showcase. And you had to have a really high powered agent. Or, you know, you have to be in the groundlings where they could see you in an improv group. Otherwise, you'd never see the day of light with that show. Mm -hmm. And um, and they came out to see Dane, and I was really excited for him. And then he got hired to go that that summer for that coming fall. And I was so excited that I knew somebody that's going to be on SNL. You know, that was – and I never even thought about being on that show because I didn't do characters or accents, you know. I remember I used to watch it, and I would fall always fall asleep in the original cast – and they, and I wake up when they're doing the good nights, where they're all waving good night, you know. So I, I yeah. would never see a lot of it. <laughs> so Danny gets on the show. He goes to New York, and also Jan Hooks is up for a, a part on the show. And mm -hmm. I was dating her at the time, and we had been friends for a long time, so I was excited for her too. And um, I started reading backstage live, you know, from the original years and uh, SNL. And um, and then I get a call from Dana out of the blue. He goes, Kev, it's Dana. I'm at a Lorne Michaels house in Amagansett. I'm in the back bedroom. Guess who's in the kitchen? Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no. I, he said, anyway, Lorne Michaels wants to, uh, I told him about you looking for one more cast member. I told him about you and he might want to see your audition tapes. I said, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd are in the kitchen? I couldn't believe it. I wasn't even hearing the other stuff. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because I knew I'd never get on that show because I don't do characters or impressions or accents. I'm just a stand-up, mm. a really good stand-up. Yes, you are. And uh, and so, but I sent my tape and anyway, audition tape. And uh, two weeks later, I get another call from Dana. Kev, I'm back at a Lorne Michaels house. I'm in the back bedroom. This is in the kitchen. Steve Martin. I said, no way. He goes, yeah. Anyway, Lauren likes your tapes. I think they're going to fly you in for an audition. I said, Steve Martin's really in the kitchen? <laughs> you still I just, I, I wouldn't listen. I wasn't hearing the other right. stuff. Because I, you know, you've been down that road so many times where you get, you don't want to get your hopes up, and so I fly into New York. To me, I'm thinking it's just a free trip to New York, and uh, I get to 30 Rockefeller Plaza where they tape the show, and uh, I go up to the uh, Studio 8H, and as soon as I walked into the studio, I got really tired, you know, because I used to fall asleep watching that show. Mm -hmm. It was an association thing, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And uh, I do my little audition and I fly home. And two weeks later, I find myself sitting in a high rise in Beverly Hills across from Lauren Michaels. And he's offered me a, a job on SNL. And I said, thank you, Mr. Michaels. Let me think about it over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think. And what did Lauren say? <laughs> well, you know, I, I said that because. Um, he only offered me a job as a writer oh, oh, to start okay. off with. Oh, okay. And it wasn't a lot of money. No, no. No, it was a feature player. Mm. He offered me a job as a feature player. And it wasn't enough money to really live in New York. Right. You know, I was guaranteed like seven shows out of the 22. So my agent said, why don't you uh, make him a writer too, my manager, who also, by the way, <laughs> happened to manage Lauren Michaels. The Brad? Brad Gray, yeah. yeah. So... Um, so he, Lauren said, well, you think about it over the weekend and we'll see you in New York on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> he saw right through me. So the next thing you know, uh, I'm out of Amagansett at his house and I get a call from Dana Carvey. Hey, Kevin, back at Lauren Michaels' house. Guess who's in the kitchen? I said, I'm in the kitchen now. <laughs> <laughs> you never know who's going to be in that kitchen. That's great. You know, yeah, I, it was I always because I showed up, Adam. You know what I mean? I showed up. I mean, I could have just said, no way. Yeah. I know. I'll never get that. Fuck. You know, I got you think Matthew Modine kicks himself. I got a machine that kicks myself in the ass of the things that I didn't show up for. As I got older, I realized light 90 percent is just fucking showing up, Kevin. 
showing up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really part of the job as an actor is just showing up, doing the auditions, and mm -hmm. then just walking away. I usually just throw my script out in the garbage as I, I leave. Yeah. I, I do the know. same thing because I don't want to hold on to it. I'm like, I've done my work. Yeah. I'm entitled to this work. I'm not entitled to the fruits of my labor. So I'm. this is my little thing. And I throw it away. My, yeah. My first biggest letdown, maybe you, you know this, but I was... Um, I had five callbacks for a sitcom. I had just, I've been in Hollywood for like two years. I moved out here from Connecticut to be a stand-up. Mm -hmm. And I go in and I audition for the sitcom. I got five callbacks and the two producers look at each other and they go, we're not getting any closer than this. And I walk outside that office. I look at Paramount Studios. I go, this is my new home, baby. It's going to be nice, man. This business is not that hard. <laughs> a week goes by, I don't hear anything. Two weeks go by, I don't hear anything. Then I hear they're looking for actors that are older to play the part because yeah. I was like 26 at the time and it was for the part of um, Sam Malone and Cheers Ted Danson got it ah yeah all right well listen but, you were right there Jim Burroughs was Burroughs in yeah, the room? Jim Burroughs yeah so the, here it is on full circle so I do this um tv show uh that started four years ago called Man with a Plan with Matt LeBlanc mm -hmm. uh it just got uh it hasn't been renewed this year so we had a four-year run that was good and um, but Jim Burroughs was the director. So when he saw me, we both smiled and said, wow, it's been a while. It's been yeah. like 30 years. Yeah. You know? And uh, we kind of reminisced about that casting. Yeah. They wanted me to do a chemistry uh, meeting with Matt LeBlanc. And that's what they call it now instead of an audition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like Coppola going, no, Mr. Brando, it's a lighting test. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I was. I had a dentist appointment that morning and I thought, you know, I got to, I got to keep this dental appointment. It's just a small, small filling they got to put in. And I get there and it turned out to be a bigger deal. So they had to give me a lot of Novocaine and, and I was running behind and I finally left the office. I said, I, I really have to go. I have to go. Can mm. you just wrap it up? I've never rushed the dentist before. And, uh, and I'm driving over Laurel Canyon, learning my lines and, you know, my, I'm trying to hit my thing to get it unnumb, you know, and I get there. And um, there's a guy in the parking lot who's also waiting to go in. He's kind of, you know, pacing. He's got mm -hmm. a script and it's Tom Segura. Oh, yeah. You know, he was he was reading for the part, too. And. Uh, and so I go in and uh, Matt LeBlanc comes in and I don't know him. I only knew him from Joey, his friends, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, he goes, yeah, how you doing? And I say, hey, that's yeah, the line. I got it. He goes, uh, you want to run this a few times? I say, sure. So I ran it a few times with him, but you know, my mouth was so like, I, he, he must've thought I had a stroke or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he might've told the producers that he went in afterwards. They said, how is he? He goes, he's pretty good. His timing is good, but I think he might've had a stroke. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, yeah. can I ask you about um, the vacation you took in the, in the castle? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where are you getting all your information? I got in, a guy. I got a guy. Did you read my book? I got a guy. <laughs> you got a guy. Italian's got a <laughs> guy. You got a guy. Yeah. What do you, you think? Your brother's a private eye. He, you know, one call. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you're referring to the castle in Scotland? Yes. Yeah, that was uh, Billy and Pamela Connolly's castle mm -hmm. in Scotland, in the Highlands. I'd never been to Scotland before. And... Billy Connolly's fucking uh, funny. Yeah, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. I mean, so, so unique. And I went to see him in concert the first time, and I couldn't understand a word he was saying until like halfway through when I started getting the cadence of his, yeah. you know, the yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he was saying. And, um, but he was hilarious. And so he and his wife invited us and, and a bunch of other people like Eric Idle and Robert Williams, mm -hmm. and, you know, Peter Asher, speaking of the Beatles. Wow. Um, to this, uh, apparently it's a thing they did yearly out of this beautiful castle that they owned in, uh, in the Highlands outside of Aberdeen. And, um, and it was a week long event and it was just amazing time. We did it twice and um every night was a different theme night you know they had jousting you know where you know they had the reenactments we'd be out in the tent eating another night it would be you know actually you know my wife and i got married in italy in lake como and we were on our way to get married and we stopped at one of those parties and because she was a ship captain 
like an, a minister, open ministry, right. she was able to marry us. So one night, the theme night, we come down to the dining room, a big long table, and there's rose petals all over it. And everybody had an assignment, we didn't know, to come up with a poem or a song about us getting married. Oh, wow. And then, um, yeah. And then we, so there's Dame Judy Dench, you know, giving us a toast and, and Rob and, uh, you know, Billy and Eric Idle, you know, and it was just really magical time. And um, and then we went off in, to Italy from there and got married. Fuck, that's just when you when you get to do shit like that, you ever pinch yourself like you know like. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Know, I'm it from Bridgeport, it Connecticut. It's not wasted on me. <laughs> yeah, I know Bridgeport. I worked in Sikorsky Aircraft in a helicopter factory for two years. Yeah. So you know, it's just um, it's why I take up instruments because I, if I could do stand up and make money doing that, I could learn how to play an instrument. Mm -hmm. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it, but it's it's also the willingness to put yourself through what you have to go through to create something. And I'm going somewhere with this because I can only imagine that you had to go through a bunch of pain to write the eulogy for Gary. I'm talking, of course, about Gary Shanley. Um, yeah. First of all, the emotional balance of your speech, I was like, yeah, he fucking worked on this. You could see the, the time and the care that you put into that. Yeah. Well, it had been a month since Gary had died. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get through the initial blast of it. And then then you start reflecting and you start, you know, thinking about your life together yeah. and all the memories that you had and what he meant to you and, you know, why he was so unique. And um, and then, you, you know, and, and it was painful going through it because you relived it all and knowing that he was no longer around. And um, so, yeah, I did, I put a lot of, lot of uh, work into that, a lot of thought and yeah. um, wrote it. And, um, uh, and I had to read it because I just, I wouldn't be able to get through it if I was just talking, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it was funny because I didn't go up at that eulogy until I don't know, almost near the end. And I was like crossing out stuff, you know, that people were talking yeah. about Gary, you know. It's, it's like, like a roast. Thought, it's like, I can't do that joke. They already hit that yeah. joke. I can't do that one. Yeah. But, um, but it was very um, meaningful to me. And it was um, to be able to eulogize him and to get laughs and to, you know, share emotion with him was probably... Mm, the highlight of my stand-up career. Yeah. You know, because it had so much meaning and depth to it, I think, you know, and people could really relate. We we're all on the same page. You know, it wasn't like doing a comedy club. Yeah. It's and a and lot. It, yeah. Well, I know a lot of a lot of the comedy, uh, you know, stuff that comes from my uh well, my comedy, it's it, it's not that I don't want to face the pain. I want to make sense of it. If that makes any sense, it's like, yeah. I, I want to just make sense of it. So I know what I'm, if I can make somebody laugh, I know the truth is in there somewhere and then I can examine it and it, it puts it outside of me, if that makes any sense. And I got a yeah. guy on the show, my friend, Phil tag is another comic and he's, you know, we, we've been together. We've just known each other for 30 years as comics. And one of the things I saw in our relationship, I saw in your and Gary's relationship it was a weird night. I saw you guys on stage at comedy magic club. I had been down a week before. Right. And I, I and I ran to Gary there, and he was just getting his feet back. You know, he was away for a while. And I was in the green room when and I finished my set. I was in the green room, and he went, "Man, that's your." He was so complimentary. He he did that for other comics. He was so complimentary was. of what I did. He was, yeah. And he said to me, "He's like, you know, I got to get back on the horse. I got to." And but he spoke to me. There was a comfort of being another comic that he could share that with me because you know I'm just getting back on the horse. And yeah, I yeah. remember seeing you guys there on stage together, and I went, they love each other. And I couldn't help but think he's, you were there to help him, if that's accurate. That is accurate. He, he felt really uncomfortable being on stage alone. Mm -hmm. He kind of wanted a slow handoff, you know, where yeah. I would bring him out, and then I would stay there with him. Mm -hmm. It was almost like dropping a kid off at kindergarten. You know what I mean? <laughs> And eventually uh, I would kind of leave and he would be okay with it. But, it, you know, his career was really interesting as far as stand-up because near the end of his life, you know, he, he, his stand-up style kind of changed. You know, he took a, his delivery was sort of awkward. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd take these really long pauses and he would be bobbing and weaving because he was also 
learning how to box, you know, he'd go down to this gym. He, he loved boxing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and well, so he's on stage, he'd be doing his jokes and almost going through the boxing movements, you know, and then he'd take these really long, uncomfortable pauses. And, um, and then he would also get up at Largo with Judd Apatow, I think, and do stuff, you know, but he never really got that confidence back. I don't think mm. from his, uh, the height of his career. And yet he was full of compliments for me. Kevin, you're at the, you're at the top of your game. I've never seen you so good. You know, I've never, you know, always, uh, like you said, complimentary. Yeah. And we played basketball at his house every Sunday with a bunch of different guys. Adam McKay would play. And I mean, I've seen everybody at those games play, you know, from Sarah Silverman was a regular player mm -hmm. and, um, uh, guys like Jim Carrey would show up. Brad Pitt. I saw there, Tom Petty was there watching once smoking, chain smoking, <laughs> uh, and, um, and then afterwards, you know, we sit down in this little like family room with a TV. There always be a game on football game or something and we'd all be sweating and people would just kind of pick his brain a little bit you know and um he was like the guy he was the guy that people would go to i mean judd apatow would be there adam mckay mm -hmm. and everybody was just kind of like knew that he was the guy you know that would have great uh, advice for you yeah if you were working on a project yeah yeah, because he started a, as a writer, so he had, uh, you know, he, he had the scaffolding first, and I think, I don't know this to be true, but I think the, the performance part of it came later, and that was kind of maybe an emotional emollient um, to deal with whatever acceptance that we all seek from an audience. Yeah, I think he, you know, I think he always wanted to be a stand-up, but I think the writing job came, uh, you know, Sanford and Son and a couple other shows in LA, but I think he always wanted to do stand up. Yeah. You know, he used to write jokes for uh, George Carlin. Mm -hmm. He would send jokes to George Carlin. I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I was first starting off doing stand up comedy, there was a, a dinner club called The Horn in Santa Monica. Right. It was like the last remaining dinner club where, you know, the tables, the candles on them, and there'd be a singer and then a comic, a singer and a comic. And I would go down there and I would do a set like an open mic night or something. And I remember finishing a set and then walking to the back, going past the bar. And there was a guy sitting at the bar with a Mets baseball cap on the old fashioned Mets baseball cap. And I couldn't see his face was in the shadow. And he reaches up to me. He goes, Hey man, that was really, that was, Hey man, that was, that was really good. Stay, stay with it. And it was George Carlin. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then I saw, subsequently, I saw him at the improv. You know, I worked as a bartender at the improv for a couple of years. So I really, I kind of pretty much lived at the improv as a comic. Mm -hmm. And I would see everybody there from Robin Williams to Andy Kaufman to, you know, I mean, and the people that came in there, Bob Fosse, you know, um, um, I mean, it's endless. There's so many people. But, um, but then I would see um, George Carlin. You know, now that I'm bartending, I could go up into the office area where he was like getting ready to go on. Yeah. It's amazing how studious he was. He would write everything and he rehearsed it in his head. Yeah. Maybe you saw him at the Comedy Magic Club yeah. too. He would be doing a bit. And if he messed up, he goes, okay, I'm going to back up and do that again. You know, because he's, he's really actually rehearsing to do a special. Yeah. And so he's got this whole bit written out and he wanted to take it from the beginning again. You know? <laughs> yeah. I opened for him at the, at the Comedy of Magic Club. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, and you can't, you, you know, like you said, the green room is his. You can't go in. Afterwards, he couldn't be nicer to you. You know, you can take pictures, yeah. shake hands, the whole thing. So I walked, he was in there rehearsing. Uh, I walk off stage and the MC went up in between there. And there's this, Kevin, this little guy, silver beard, these two little eyes, right standing by the, by, uh, by the entrance. And he went, yeah. you're funny. And I went, and you're Colin. And we just started bullshitting and he missed his fucking intro. They started no way. Wow. Because we're backstage talking. We're just, you know, you know, Kibitz, he, he watched the half of my set. He quoted back a joke. He said how funny that was. And wow. he missed. They start clapping. He looks at me, goes, is that for me? I'm like, they don't want to see me again, George. You better get out there. And he ran out. <laughs> but I was surprised at how nervous he was. You know, he was yeah. just really. And, and that's something that I kind of lost. You know, I do you get nervous before you go on? I get nervous if here's what I get nervous. If I have to run a set for the Tonight Show, 
if I have an agenda on stage, I get nervous. If I'm not free yeah. to go up, but I get excited. I've changed. I've changed my uh, the way I label that energy to excitement now. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah but that excitement. but that energy is still there. But you know, I get I get I get I I get angry about having to go back on the road when we were free to travel. But for me, I kind of feel dead inside. <laughs> I mean, I don't get, I don't, I don't get nervous. Right? At least I don't think I get nervous. Somebody said, "You get ever get stage fright?" And I said, "No, I don't." But I will tell you that maybe sixty percent of the times before I go on stage, I get really tired. Okay, you know, and that might be my body preparing, mm -hmm. like to go into battle. It's just totally shutting down. You right. know what I mean? And I'm just kind of reserving all my energy. And I think that that might be my stage fright right there. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. First time you do the Tonight Show with Johnny, by the way. Big yeah. event in your life. He yeah. gives you a great intro. You go on stage. They introduce you. walk out. Applause dies down. And you fucking go blank. Were you nervous then? Oh, yeah. I've never been more nervous in my life because that's what I want. That's That was my goal. Mm -hmm. You know, all I wanted to be was a stand-up and be on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And when I first moved out to L.A., I would go and watch that show be taped, you know, a couple times a week because they gave out free tickets. Right. They gave two tickets to everybody. And I knew that people didn't always use their extra tickets. So I'd go up and down the line. Does anyone have an extra ticket? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get there, through, you know, like at two in the afternoon to get a ticket. I would go right before the show started. And I usually get in and it was like watching a Vegas show. You know, you'd see all these different performers. And I saw the routine of the, the I saw the format of the show, how Johnny would come out and, you know, warm up the audience and that Freddie DeCorvid, a producer, mm -hmm. and talked to Doc Severinsen. I knew all the band members, what they played. And, and so um, now I'm standing behind the curtain and I'm, I'm a stand-up on the show and I'm making my debut and he's introducing me. And Jim McCauley, who was the talent coordinator, uh, is standing by me trying to, pump me up and you know everything's cool and the curtain opens and i'm walking out and there's johnny to my right and the audience is applauding and um and mind you like i i got i was alerted that i was doing the show like four or five days before four days before like on that friday mm -hmm. and then on that tuesday i was going to do it so i've been continuously going over my act in my head because back then you know they didn't have bullet points alongside the camera what they have now for comics nope and you didn't have any notes or anything. You just had it in your head. And so I go out there and the audience is applauding and I hit my mark and I totally forgot my act. I forgot my opening act, my opening line. And the audience is applauding until it finally ends the last clap. And thankfully I remembered my act and I started going into it. And it was just like the highlight to this day, more so than weeds mm. or Saturday Night Live. It was just a ride that I've never experienced before. And it, it was, you know, the applause breaks and the people laughing. I hear Johnny laughing behind me. I thought, this is it. This is what is better than this. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I go to Lee. I finish up. I wave. Johnny gives me the thing. And I go behind the curtain. And, and Jim McCauley, the, he said, hang out. That was great. Hang out because I think Johnny wants to talk to you on panel after the commercial. And I said, he said, what should we, what can he ask you? Mm -hmm. He said, don't worry, just go out there. You'll be fine. So I got there and it was fine. And, you know, he, he brings me back out. And I had a couple of really strong jokes that I didn't use. Mm -hmm. I used those. And it was just, and he would laugh. He'd lean back and laugh. And cigarette smoke was coming out of his mouth from, you know, during the break, he had a puff on his cigarette. Oh, and it was really, I mean, I was floating after that. Yeah. And I knew that, you know, at the improv later that night, everybody would be quiet and they'd be watching that little TV over the bar. Yeah where I used to bartend and um, and it was just, I've never, I've never had such a natural high like that before. Yeah. I got when I early on those buzzes for me, they would last a day. You know, I could ride that. I could ride that buzz for a day. Oh yeah. At least. I yeah. mean, I'm still riding mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you identify yourself as a standup. That's, that was your first love. And that's right. Yeah, stand-up is what I wanted. Now, I wanted to ask you this because there's a connective tissue of a bit from your act that became a Saturday Night Live sketch, and I wanted uh, the subliminal guy. Yeah. Because I remember that was a bit in your act. Yeah. And then it became a sketch, but I wanted to ask you, did you read the book Vance uh, Packard, The Hidden Persuaders, about subliminal advertising? I did. Yeah. I'm, I read I, all those books. Because I, I read that book, I went, I bet you, fuck. Every time I see it, I yeah. forget to ask you. I go, he read that fucking book. That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
And then I started looking for subliminal suggestions in all products, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, like those little things that this might suggest, like, you know, if you look at a cloud sometime, you can see an image. You know, if that was an ad, you go, oh, they're trying to sell me a, you know, can of Coke or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You've done so many. It's like signs, you know, like, it's like my wife believes in signs, you know, if a later ladybug is good luck uh-huh. or, or if somebody dies, you know, you know, they, they like gold, gold paper clips. Oh, there's a gold paper clip. That's a sign from them, you know? I don't think it works, but it did on SNL. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it works. My wife, you hear the crickets? That means money's coming. And I'm like, sing, you <laughs> fucking bugs! Sing! <laughs> but I remember right before I did that sketch, that was the first sketch I did on there. This mm-hmm. is subliminal. And I'm, I'm really nervous, you know, and uh, I can't believe I'm on SNL. You know, I'm about to do this sketch. And Lauren Michaels, the producer, comes up to me. This is five seconds before we're back from commercial. Mm-hmm. He puts his hand on my uh, shoulder. And he goes, are you sure this is what you want? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Now, did you write that with, did you write that sketch with Albert, Albert Brook? No. No? No, I, um, I wrote that, that, like you said, that was in my act. Mm-hmm. That was part of my act. It was, um, it was a bit, um, did it you was do- a bit that I got from um, this character actor who was a really good friend of mine, Ed Peck. Mm-hmm. Ed Peck had a really deep voice. He talked like this. And he, he was a character actor. He did a lot of Laverne and Shirley's and Happy Days. Mm-hmm. And he took me to Canners one night. And uh, he goes, I'm going to do a little thing called tagging. And this will be a lot of fun. Watch, watch what I do. And the waitress, waitress comes over and she goes, hi, honey, can I help you? What can I get you? Well, I'm going to have a cheeseburger. You're... Uh, I'm gonna have a cheeseburger whore, and I'll tell you what. Why don't you also give me a, you know, a side of fries with that? Uh, you know, he do a lot of like vulgarity, you know, in there, and she wouldn't hear it, you know. Whoa. So he said, "You should do that in your act. You know, t- take it, use it in your act." Mm-hmm. And I did, and I started expanding on it, you know. Right. And uh, and then when I got to SNL, Al Franken knew about subliminal advertising, mm-hmm. so he said, "We should make this a guy who." says these things to get what he wants right you know so we sat down and wrote um you know the guy who goes to uh to his boss to try to get Mets tickets mm-hmm. and that was it that was the um that's how that one came about when you go into a situation like that i was used to writing jokes so now i got to come up with yeah. characters mm-hmm. you know i got to come up with uh, accents and characters and sketch ideas and I really enjoyed that. It was a really nice uh, turn. You know, talk about learning new things. That was another thing I had to learn. Yeah. You know, you just kind of have to adapt to whatever situation you're in. Yeah. I also know, you know, because I know, I know a couple of guys that were on it after you. Um, and the competitive nature of it, I don't know if it devolved, but it was never, it didn't seem like a place where you could relax. <laughs> you know, it didn't seem like. A place where you well, could you just... could you could relax. In fact, that's that's one of the reasons I left is I was too relaxed. I was mm-hmm. going out and doing sketches with food in my mouth from the craft service table. You know, that's how <laughs> I was kind of bored after a while. I'm the red after vine guy. Years. Yeah, I would be doing a scene. I'd be picking food out of my teeth. You know, with the other actor, and then I could hear all my friends in my dressing. Room. I could hear the blender in my dressing room from the stage. They're making uh, mudslides. <laughs> watching another a different show you know <laughs> and i couldn't even get in there to change so i thought maybe i've had my run here you know yeah. uh <laughs> but it was kind of competitive but it was a quiet competitive mm-hmm. you know because there was only so many slices of the pie right only so many sketches that would get on mm-hmm. and it was like 10 sketches and you know you had a table read full of like 40 or 50 sketches that people wrote and so it's hard to kind of root for somebody else when you put so much time into your sketch and you want it to get on, you yeah. know, although you, I did root for other people, you know, I, I, if something was funny, I laughed and I enjoyed it. Well, you did what? Eight years, nine years, nine years. Yeah. Yeah. And you've nine had a seasons. great career, my friend. I'm always happy to see you when I do see you. Like I said, when I saw your paintings, I went, Oh, I got to text them. These are fucking great. Please go on your, oh, thanks, go on man. Kevin's Instagram and, and look at his art. It, uh, it, it yeah. Is I have uh, my regular Instagram is Kevin Nealon. Mm-hmm. And then all my artwork is on um, Kevin Nealon artwork on Instagram. Cool. Best to you in the family. Thanks, the ad for our podcast is brought to you by cruise into wellness.com. Now let's say you have stress like you. Yes. Let's say you have anxiety. Like you? Yes. You know what you should do? You should do what I do. Scream and yell and drive your wife insane? 
What? <laughs> exactly. Go to cruiseintowellness.com. They have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. Yes, young lady. And the bath bubble thing. And the bath bubble thing when your husband screams and yells and drives you insane. Mm-hmm. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. Hi, this is Kevin Nealon, and that's 30 minutes you'll never get back. Oh, he's such a good guy, Kevin. I really had a lot of fun. I was impressed with how, like, because I love a stand-up, obviously, and SNL and all that, but I, I, I'm amazed at how, and impressed at how versatile the guy is with the painting and oh, the yeah. instruments and the book and, and all that stuff. That was really cool. Uh, and you know what? The, the thing I took, and there's so much cool stuff in there, but the origin story of Hans and Franz yeah. just grabbed me. Because I love, it's like hearing about how somebody wrote a song. And here he is, he's on tour with Dana Carvey, watching Schwarzenegger with some special, just laughing at how he talks. And that becomes, I mean, one of the great bits of Saturday Night Live lore. I mean, I mean, everyone here, show of hands, who wins Hans and Franz at Halloween ever? Yes, my hand is up, because I love that bit. Yeah, because every, everybody had the sweats. I'll just stuff some stuff in here, put this belt on, I'm done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's the easy costume. Yeah, and the other thing yeah. about Hans, I asked him, I'm like, do you think it came out of your childhood in Austria? <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, it's on the TV, man. He's like, he's like, nah, I made Dana laugh. All right, fine. But yeah, if you look at the the that, that iconic stuff, and Mr. Subliminal was a bit in his act that turned into that bit. Yeah. The evolution just- of stuff. So what was Mr. Subliminal? I, I kind of missed that whole era thing. So, yes. Yeah, so, so, honey, the subliminal bit was like he'll be talking in a conversation and then whisper something, the subtext of what he's really thinking. He's like, you know, Mark Stern lives with two cats and he pays no attention to his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that joke and that bit is all about delivery. It's all about the timing and the delivery. And he just nailed it. It was that was again. When I think of some of the great sketches, and I, I love that era of Saturday Night Live, Kevin Nealon is involved in so many of those. And it blew me away that he's like, I'm not a sketch guy. I don't do impersonations. And from the outside, I'm like, yeah, you did. You were great. That's yeah. all. That's what I think of him as, you know? Mm. He's just naturally funny. Some people just yeah. have that. They could do anything. Even like in Weeds, I, I laugh when he comes on screen. I just giggle because he's just funny. You know what? I, I love this, the selflessness of his friendship with Dana because he was so happy that he was getting Saturday Night Live that he was calling him in the kitchen. And right. he, he was like, dude, guess who's here? They want to see your tape. Wait a minute. Steve Martin's there? Right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love the romance of that. It's great. Yeah, it was just like, he's like no, no, they, they, they might want to hire you on the show. Chevy Chase is there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You're talking to Bill Murray? Yeah. yeah. You know what? You know why that's so cool? Because I like to think that's exactly how I would react. I'd be like, oh, my God, Bill Murray and Steve Barker are there. That's yep. just the coolest. Yeah. You know, that. I mean, I mean, he's a big star, but, you know, everybody starts out as a fan, man. And that's mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It was a real moment. It was really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, the what you and Kevin talked about when he was talking about writing the um, the eulogy mm-hmm. for um, for Gary, uh, and you talked about how you process pain, you know, looking, you know, you process pain on stage, and when you get that laugh, it kind of centers it. You can find the truth from that. I just thought that was a really fascinating process for both of you guys to work through these incredibly painful things that have gone on in your lives. Yeah, I think, and the process is just taking little bites of what it is and turning that into a laugh. So, okay, it's safe for me to take the next bite. Okay. And I can't do it alone. I need the audience as the the reassurance. So it's always working with the, I I feel more comfortable in a group of people rather than in my own head. Adam, let me ask you, I always wanted to ask you this. Mm -hmm. Processing your pain when you're on stage, is it because... Like uh, there's this, cause I know when I'm sad, I laugh because I feel uncomfortable or nervous. Right. Just unsure. Yeah. I think, and I think, and I know, I know Phil, you have this too. You want to be the emollient for the moment. Any tension we, we, we're conditioned to be the comic relief mm-hmm. to, to re- so remove important. the tension. Yeah. It's also a way of avoiding your true feelings. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do that too. Or I just, you know, buy a car. That's what I do. You know what I mean? Is that a convertible? What's he avoiding now? Yeah. What, is he, what is he avoiding now? Hey, sometimes you just got to, you know, 
buy your pain away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For 23 grand, then lose seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you got to listen to Adam, right, Adam? Well, no, it fills in a lot of pain now because he, he bought a Lexus. So something, <laughs> something's weighing heavy on your mind. <laughs> I did. I bought the car that you told me to buy originally. Yeah. He yeah. bought the car I told you to buy two cars ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what, Phil? I don't care. I, I, I'm just, I'm glad you just, you didn't get married. If it's a choice between the two of them, <laughs> yeah. Adam, I'll Adam take, can't take it. I can't <laughs> take it. I'm not going yeah. through another divorce. I can't take it. <laughs> but I'm losing more money now with the cars. I might as well get married. <laughs> but yeah, and I think Kevin, like when Kevin worked on Gary's eulogy, you know, that's how he was processing the pain. Was he was putting it through his his art. He was putting it through his machine. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, it meant a lot to him. And that's hard to do because you're still in the shock of it. You oh, know? Yeah. 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 Well, I had that with my dad. I mean, when I wrote my dad's eulogy, we the same thing. We made it funny, you and I. That was mm -hmm. one of the, I mean, one of the greatest, I guess, you know, my dad had passed away. But you and I working on that eulogy and then getting the laughs, you know, talking about my dad in church. I mean, it's, and I was very impressed by that when I saw, um, I think that was um, Judd Apatow's um, documentary where mm -hmm. they showed neil and doing that eulogy and i was just blown away by it. it was it was and i had no idea they were that close mm -hmm. yeah. and what i loved a lot I, I loved you know just to you know hop on the sincere train for a second i really love what you said when you um told kevin that it reminded you of you and i his relationship with gary when yeah. you were at the uh comedy magic club and mm -hmm. so i thought that was really cool well yeah and i, I was actually i'll be honest with you i was thinking about you know, having to do that in that emotional state mm -hmm. and and to do what we know in the face of that kind of pain. That's why I uh, I took the liberty because I don't know if I really want to experience that. So I took the liberty of uh, of writing your eulogy now. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's entirely appropriate. I was going to say, if you don't want to go through it, you could die first. You could do that. <laughs> God. Come on, you know you're going to go first. Look at you. <laughs> all right, let's all focus. This is a serious moment. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we are all gathered here today to say farewell to a great man. <laughs> and I want to thank you both for coming. <laughs> Two people. Nice. <laughs> here lies Phil Tiberius Tagliferi. I don't even have a middle name. You do now. <laughs> Devoted father, beloved husband, a couple of times. Oh my God. And my best friend. Phil was a kind and generous soul. I could always count on him to listen to my cries of pain with a sympathetic ear. Some say his ears were that big so he could hear all of God's children. Uh, nice. That's nice. <laughs> But we're not here to point out his big ears, failing heart, fuck? or beady eyes. <laughs> if Phil taught us anything, it was that we have the power of choice. Which is why I choose to remember Phil as my best friend. And not as that mass of flesh found naked on the bathroom floor. That's how I go out. Covered in butterscotch crimped icing. Oh, uh, no. I go out like that, naked. <laughs> <laughs> With butterscotch. Godspeed, Phil. And please know, I emptied your drawer. <laughs> True friendship. Let us pray. What is wrong with you, man? How much friggin' time do you have on your hands? When did you write that? You're writing my eulogy. That's a bad omen. What are you doing? It's not it's a bad not, omen. It's not a bad omen. I, I Phil, I did it more for me than for you. I don't yeah. want to go through that. I'm going to be in enough pain when you die. Oh, my God. It's about him, Phil. So now my eulogy for you would be, he's not really dead. He's just messing with me. He's not dead. Trust me. I'm telling you, he's not dead. <laughs> What's wrong with that man? Why is he yelling? He's yelling. He's, There's no eulogy. He's alive. He's going to come popping up. He's Andy Kaufman. He's going to be in church full of people going. Somebody, yeah. Alex, go get him. Go get him, Alex. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love you, Phil. Mm -hmm. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> 
I want to thank Kevin Nealon for being my guest. I want to thank you guys for being here with us. Uh, and I want to thank you guys so much for all the love and support, not only for the album, but for the show. The show is growing, and it's all because of you. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where can they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And show us how you're listening to the show. Uh, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, take a screenshot, put it up on Instagram, tag us, and we will repost. Uh, and if you get a chance to leave us a review, it does help us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. Please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. Pod is ended. Go in peace. You just got this, you know, one tooth that's got a root canal thing, and we'll take care of that. Mm-hmm. The, Adam, if you think about it, that's pretty good odds. Yeah, uh, but the guy he said the dentist he went to is, is probably, what is he, is he blind? <laughs> hey, that's my ear. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.